We're back. Episode four of the Koi R Us podcast. The whole gang's here. Joel, Kim, Ben, Jesse. Um, we showed up for our podcast. Unfortunately, seems like Spurs didn't really want to show up for their match uh, this weekend against Brentford. So, uh, another game, another goalless game, another game without any shots on goal. And it seems like all the good high spirits that we had when we started this podcast seem to have taken a tail dive as soon as we, a nosedive rather, as soon as we started recording. I don't know if maybe the podcast is to blame, but guys, help me out. Help somebody help me figure out what's, what's, what's changed in the past two weeks. It seems like we're like a completely different team now. One player is missing for sure. One player who started to play well when we started to play well i i don't want to say matt doherty is the main reason we're not doing well but replacing emerson putting emerson in the lineup things tend to break down in ways that doc might have moved the ball along a little faster might have had a better touch and so some of it to me is our wingbacks are not performing well enough and teams are now squeezing our midfield, um, squeezing Kane as soon as he gets the ball. And if the wingbacks also don't bring anything, then it's kind of like all of our, our techs go on the wing to die. Um, and we just haven't been putting enough balls in the box. We, like against Brighton, we weren't quick enough on the ball. And against Brentford, we tried to ping it a little too fast to spaces that people, people weren't in spaces. We were overhitting people, underhitting people. So it's just first touches were terrible. I just feel like it, everything that could go wrong start has started to go wrong at the same time for everyone. And I don't, I don't know what to, what to say other than that. It's just, just doesn't seem like things are as smooth as they were a couple of weeks ago. And part of that, is teams playing us a little differently and causing issues for us. But I feel like, you know, there's probably more to it than that. Yeah, man, I think we all knew that we weren't just going to all of a sudden have figured this out and freaking just been flat out on the gas, winning 3-0, 4-0. Even me, king of optimism, as we'll learn in the the debut uh, segment coming soon. But I think that, yeah, of course it was going to get, you know, a little bit figured out. We still don't have the depth in, in some areas. We still are missing some talent in some areas. So there's not as many options. And I think, you know, whether it's Conte being stubborn to, to stick with the, the three at the back situation or him just saying, I'd love to try something like a 4 2 3 one or something, but like who, who are we going to put there that's going to do everything, you know, anything different. So I think that, you know, we sort of probably all should have expected this, you know, and I think it's, um, it was a rather quick, wow, we are flying. This is incredible to, oh, cool. We're doing the no shots on goal thing for three hours again. That's fun. Um, so I think it was a little bit of a quicker pendulum swing than any of us expected. But, um, you know, we weren't going to win 12 of the last 13 games or, or whatever it might be. So I think a little bit of a, of a speed bump had to happen. Unfortunately, it had to, it, it happened at the same time um, that, uh, that Arsenal um, – figure some stuff out in a week where everyone thought they were dropping points and they, and they looked good. Um, and that's not super surprising. I mean, they had, they had been a bad, at least results in the last handful of games, but looking at the XG, I think they had like the three game losing streak or, or two, two, um, 
losses in a draw. I think they had like, they were up on XG like 4.8 to one and they'd lost five to one in that time. So those types of things kind of correct themselves. Um, so I think it's just bad timing, definitely a bummer after being so hot, but um, I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's no way you can, you know, say that doc wasn't a, a factor, even though he went down in the 20th or something against Villa. And then we put up three goals in the second half. So, well, you, um, you mentioned Conte's stubbornness, right? And, and it's like, part of it is refusal to play a different system. Right. But I think part of it is also the substitutions don't always seem to be making a ton of sense. And I told you guys uh, when I was watching the game on Saturday, like the bar starting to turn on Conte, man, uh, it was getting ugly in there for a while. I mean, I love my DC Spurs, but they were uh, getting a little chippy and I'm seeing a lot of the same rhetoric on Spurs Twitter. So I know it's not a local concern, but um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is like being married to the system and, and, there is some concern, I think, that teams have just figured out that we're going to play this wingback system if we clog up the midfield and we can't find a way to thread the ball from our back three to our front three, then that kind of just stifles the offense. Another thing I'll say is you noticed for a lot of Conte's uh, reign with us that we would kind of get st stifled against teams that tend to sit back your Southamptons, your Burnleys, your Wolverhamptons, the teams that you would expect that from, you're not necessarily expecting it from teams like Brighton and Brentford, which typically tend to play a little bit more wide open. But if guys are recognizing, hey, I'm playing a bigger club with better players, and this is the way to beat them, and they know that Conte is not going to do anything different, then it kind of exposes us to having to break down teams that are going to put 10 men behind the ball. And I don't know that we have the tactics and or the players to actually break that because to your point, you look at the bench, who are you bringing in? You're bringing in Harry Winks to save the day. You're bringing in some kid from the Academy. What, what are we going to do? Yeah, um, I think, uh, I think like you said, Joel, like everybody's been saying, I think we all probably agree on this. There's, there's a few different reasons that lack of depth is one, you know, not, it's not like we've had tons of injuries, but the, the people have been injured between Skip and Doherty. Those two were obviously pretty instrumental to our, to our team uh, at different points of the season. Uh, Skip a little earlier there. But, yeah, there's just no depth. There's no um, impact subs to come off. But I also do think that I, – I don't even think Conte has to go to four at the back or anything. I know that earlier this season – there was a lot of talk between playing the three, three, four, uh, sorry, the three, four, three versus the three, five, two. And at that point, I know that we wanted to get more midfielders on there just because that seemed like more of the strength at that point. This is, I, I think before even the, the, uh, you know, the, the first transfer window, but where we just have more midfielders than we do forwards at that point in time. Now we're not exactly in the same boat, but we're so threadbare at this point. Like we, there's just, there's nobody except for Lucas and Stevie B to come on at this point. And then if one of Cess or uh, Reggion, the, the subs, I, I agree that the subs haven't been great, but I think you already mentioned this, Joel, like, can you name a better, I think the order of the subs you could name, or maybe bringing in subs earlier for more impact potentially, but there's just not a lot to choose from. And I, I was listening to uh, the extra inch earlier 
the one from last week, actually, and they were talking about would teams be able to get used to our patterns, you know, and just be able to, to suss that out right, right. You know, obviously, if, if, if you're playing a pattern that this stands to reason that the defense can prepare in a patterned way. But the idea there, I think, is that he maybe would be able to to, to um, flip between a few different patterns. So you'd at least have a B and a C, even if there's still that automated style of playing, that it wouldn't be the same thing over and over. And that playing teams like Brighton so quickly in a row potentially expose that style of play even more so. I mean, it is kind of baffling, but I, th- I think, to be honest, the main thing it seems to me is, again, like you guys were saying, the fact that our wingbacks just can't produce um, and then the fact that we're basically getting out outnumbered in the midfield and there's just no progression of the ball and our front three has been isolated. And so it seems like the best thing to do would at least give it a shot of, of throwing an extra man in midfield, whether that's having Kulu drop deeper and play there, I guess, bring it in weeks, uh, winks. Sorry. <laughs> no, you got it right. It's weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, cool, even playing it right back and have, uh, you know, our everybody's favorite Lucas Mora up at, at right wing. Um, well, that's the other Stevie. thing, right? Yeah. Like that's something. What I, the one thing I don't understand. And I fully understand that we don't have a ton of options on the bench, but one thing that baffles my mind is like, why does he seem so against playing Steven Bergwijn? Like give the guy a 70th minute sub or, you know, give him at least 20 minutes to run. It seems like he's either not coming off the bench like he did on Saturday or when he does play, he's getting put on in the 86th minute. And I don't know what he's expecting uh, Lester to happen again, but it's like uh, he proves himself when he does play. He proves himself when he plays for the Netherlands, but he can't get a run in. And this is the same player that during the January transfer window, Conte was like, we're not going to sell him. So if you're not going to sell him and you're not going to play him, then why the hell is he on the team? Jesse, what what's happening with the subs in the rotation? Help me figure this out. And this is a bit of a deep cut. Um, and for any non-Knicks fans, I'll give you a quick one-on-one. But um, uh, Mello, when Mel came to the Knicks and the, the Knicks were having some a little bit of success, they still could have been better. And there was like, well, Mello's a ball hog. He should pass more. He should pass more. And at the time, the Knicks roster was was kind of broken for a lot of the time he was here. And I was like, well, like, what's the better option? Like, Melo to pass to a guy who's not in Hall of Fame, one of the greatest scorers of all time. Um, and so, like, that's sort of it, probably, where Conte is probably thinking, like, yeah, well, I mean, none of these options to him are better than running a Kane and Son who are still doesn't seem to have it. So it was like, Melo, when you're over, you know, when you're three for 14, why are you still shooting in the uh you know, in the late fourth quarter, it's like, well, who else are we going to go to? And so that's obviously a problem with depth and squad talent that there's, we don't feel like there's, there's enough where he doesn't trust Lucas and and Stevie to come on more. But like, that's what sort of remind me of it. Just like, uh, we're mad at Mello for not passing, but Mello's still kind of the best option. And we're mad at him not for making better subs, but like the guys that are most likely to have a goal in them are out there right now. And that's not those guys fault directly. It's not Mello's fault directly. It's, the general manager, director of football, whatever's fault, like where we need, we need new people in that if that's not the case, if it's not Stevie and Lucas, well then get them out. You know, I think like the, as dope as the Lester Stevie miracle was, it happened at the absolute worst time because that'd have been terrible. If you sell Stevie uh, after doing that, when you're like clearly, you know, bereft of, of goals. Um, and that was before um, Decky came in. So it was like, 
would have been just bad optics to sell them then, but probably would have been the right thing to do. If that had that Lester miracle happened a month before, I think Stevie's gone. Maybe somebody else is in, maybe not, but um, just a just a tough timing on that one. Listen, I hear you. I just feel like I still don't understand why the guy can't even get a run in when Lucas Mora has proven not to be able to contribute to the offense. On the other hand, I would also say for all the people that are clamoring for him to bench Kane or bench Son because they're not contributing, that's stupid. That's a bad idea. What you're not going to do is bench the only two guys that consistently score goals when your team can't score goals. Like that's that doesn't make any sense. And I understand that Kane is having a bad run of form and Son has looked like crap for a lot of the time. But like those guys can just burst onto the scene and score goals. And we don't have a lot of those types of players on our team. So unfortunately, they just have to play through their slump. Like we we can't bench them to play Steven Bergvine and Harvey White. Like that's just not an option. Um, all that to say. We got to go back to the triangle. I think we, I think it's time we need to revisit it because uh, things have significantly changed. Kim, where yeah, are we I now? Just, I just want to make one point on Stevie. So, like the thing, yeah. he, like he's like we say, he went away for the Netherlands, scored three goals in two games, came back, played nine minutes against Newcastle, and scored a goal. Played six minutes, three minutes, zero minutes. Like I don't understand why he's not playing at least. 10 to 15 minutes a match. And like, I don't think there's any excuse for that because the last two matches, especially our front players have not played that well, substitute someone in like he, he, two games ago, he scored a goal. So like, give the, give the guy a chance. And when he leaves and goes to Ajax and scores 25 goals next season, because he gets playing time, then we'll be upset. But that's the kind of thing that's going to happen because he's not getting any playing time. He's going to leave in the summer because he's better than sitting on Tottenham's bench. I'm When's the last that. time Lucas Moore scored a goal? Was it two games ago? It was not. Oh, okay. Um, no, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> just checking. Yeah, so that's just like a little bit of a rant because I, I just don't understand why he's not the first sub off the bench um, based on what he's done by himself in the last two months, like without getting subs, any play time at Tottenham. And why the subs aren't earlier in general, to be honest, like, not to derail this, but this, the, I just don't understand why it's this whole wait until the 15 five-minute mark, two-minute mark, bring on subs at least at 68 minutes when your team's just not playing well. Yeah, I we I think we're all in agreement on a bunch of this stuff, and it's it's kind of frustrating, but um, this is what happens when you have a guy who, you know, you can't really tell him anything. He knows he's, he's won so much, so he's just going to stick with his philosophy, and you sometimes have to live and die with the philosophy. Well, that sounds um, a lot like the last manager we had. Uh, and I don't mean Nuno. <laughs> um, in, in any event, are, are we still starting to believe again? How are we feeling? It's been a uh, one point in the past two matches. So should I, should, should I, I have any reason for optimism? Yeah. The defense. <clears throat> um, I'm sorry. My uh, voice a little bit off this week, but the defense, I mean, there were times where we were, you know, shipping goals earlier this year. And although the offensive has obviously been pitiful, um, one goal, again, these aren't world beaters, but Brentford's been scoring at a pretty impressive clip against good teams, uh, especially since Erickson's been starting there. Brighton, not a high-scoring team by any stretch. So that was a bummer to give up any goals to them. But one goal in the last couple games, um, you know, is encouraging, especially given how bad we looked, um, you know, against Villa in the first half and, and went down against Newcastle in the first half where 
you know, we didn't really have that, um, you know, uh, those were like, wow, we're, we, we either should have been down more or should have shipped more goals. Um, it didn't feel like Brighton and, and um, Brentford were, were as nearly as threatening as, uh, as even the wins we had in the previous couple of games. So I'm encouraged by the defense. So like I'm slightly encouraged by the defense, but slightly discouraged at the same time, because there were moments against Brentford, like (laughs) this is back to our set piece defending Brentford had a lot of corners um, in the first half. And there were at least three or four moments when Ivan Tony was unmarked in the box. That's your striker. Why is he unmarked in the box? That's the kind of stuff that like a team like Liverpool would have gotten two or three goals off of something like that. So it's like, yeah, Brentford may not have, guys who are as prolific as some of these other teams but if you give good teams the opportunity in good positions they will score and so I feel like there are times where and Brighton had some good chances against us too so I feel like we are apt to give up good chances and we don't get punished by certain teams but I I get I get nervous for a team like Liverpool you give them any daylight they will score a goal and and we've been giving teams daylight Um, So, yes, the goals have not been going in, but I still feel like the chances have been there, especially having way more chances than us. So, like, I I think it's a little bit of a worry where I just can't be like, oh, the defense is great because I've seen things in games where I'm just like a better team punishes punishes you for this thing. And I just think we got lucky with who we played. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not as optimistic as Jesse there, but I don't think I'm as pessimistic as you either, Joel. Um, I, I do think, though, that the that, that, that tends to be the case, Ben. I mean, it does, that, yeah. these are the roles that Jesse and I Inside play. We're here for here, balance, yeah. of course. <laughs> but um, I, I just was going to say that I take the way I see the Tottenham Triangle is it's a, it's a roller coaster every year for the most part, other than there was like one or two years under coach where we just felt like we we're winning almost every game, right? Like it just felt like we we're going to win, especially every home game. I think that was the Wembley year. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, of course I'm disappointed. We just lost two games to two mid-table teams, one of them being at home after, you know, finally regaining traction in the top four. I mean, I, I feel like if you're not disappointed after that, you're just trying to look for this rays of sunshine there. I'm, I still could very easily get my hopes up again in two weeks. If we pick up six points and Arsenal drop some points very, very quickly, we'll turn around. I mean, that's the way I see it. Um, like I will be starting to believe again, if we can just keep maintain this momentum for a couple, or not maintain momentum. Cause that's, that would not be what we want, but if we could just, start to pick up some points again and at least not lose ground to Arsenal. I'll start to believe again because of how few games there are. And I mean, I still like our chances overall, you know, I mean, it's, it's sucks to have uh, dropped back so quickly after finally having clawed our way back up. But um, you know, like I said, the, the, the point of the triangle, in my opinion, is, is up and down constantly. It's like a week to week or at least month to month thing in my opinion well that is the way the triangle works you'll notice that the uh arrows never stop so <laughs> you're never going to be in one in one side of the triangle for too long but given what you just said ben how do you feel about our top four chances i mean right now we are equal we are even on games played with arsenal um they now have a two-point advantage and we still have to go away to liverpool yeah i mean uh, i would say i I would give Arsenal probably the uh, the edge, but not by – it's maybe 60-40 or something like that. Um, I can't think of what the run is now because they I know they did have a tougher run in, but then they've had two of the games on that that list. I like that – yeah. I believe our game against them, the North London Derby at, 
here in a few weeks is in in at Tottenham, right? It's a home yeah, game. that's a home game for Spurs. So that that helps us. Um, obviously, our goal differential helps us a bunch. Man, it's tough to say. It's almost 50-50. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout Spurs just because you know I gotta gotta hope it at the very least. But I would say it's got to be kind of a toss up at this point. Jesse, it's your time to shine because we are now all thoroughly depressed and we need you to give us something to smile about. Yeah, I've been uh, accused of being aggressively optimistic and finding the bright side um, in the, the group chat that, that, that preceded this podcast um, at work <clears throat> and other sports takes uh, a lot of aspects of my life. And so um, this segment is called Sunshine, which is spelled S-O-N, like our smiling boy. And uh, sunshine and cane bows. So we're going to talk about the things of, uh, of why you should still feel good, why you should still be optimistic and look to be at the top of that triangle. Sometimes this is very easy. Uh, when we started this pod, it was, it was easy. Like, man, <clears throat> is Sonny going to catch uh, Mo for a golden boot? Is Kane going to go nuts with the assists and, uh, and go back-to-back playmakers, right? It's a lot harder, though, after the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, I should have saved these for this session. But I, I think a couple of things that I'm optimistic about <clears> – <throat> Uh, I mentioned the defense. Um, I'm also a big XG guy. Not that we've been crushing on XG the last couple games, but um, as varies, you know, site by site that's tracking it. But we were, um, you know, we've held uh, opponents in the last in the Brighton and, and Brentford um, games to a combined 1.2. Um, apparently, we're the better squad by XG 1.3 to 0. 0.5 um, against Brentford, and obviously that that didn't happen. But no shots on goal, so you're still generating that kind of. Um, XG and you didn't get a shot on goal. Um, that's that's encouraging. That means you're you, you're you're getting some chances. You're just not getting obviously um, obviously close enough. And we know that typically these guys will um, Sun and Kane will particularly uh, often outperform their XG. So I think um, you know another thing was I mentioned this at the top as well. But I think where we were a little bit too slow, a little bit too dribbly and carrying um, against Brighton, it felt like we were trying a little bit to make too quick decisions almost like an overcorrection or overcompensation um, from one match to the next. So I think we find that middle in this, uh, in this third game against Leicester. Um, and <clears throat> I can't think of a game versus Leicester where it hasn't been a high scoring affair. So in, in any high scoring affairs, as good as our defense is playing, I feel like we're going to win, you know, I guess high score. That could be two, one, that could be three, one, that could be three, two, but we often get into the goals and sometimes give up the goals versus them. So, I think the biggest reason for optimism for me is defense is getting good. Um, we overcorrected a little bit with some of the passing things uh, next game. So I think that gets kind of middled out. And then, you know, obviously top four got harder the last two games than it was looking like it was going to be before then. We knew that it wasn't going to be that easy. But, and we'll talk about this more later, we still control our own destiny. We're, destiny. We're two points back, um, but up, I think, seven in goal differential. And we have to play Arsenal at home. So, we can still control if we finish fourth. Um, the other piece of it is if we were to have gone, you know, nuts and win 12 or 13 or something to end the season, then I can absolutely say Levy saying, well, look, look what we just did. We had enough to get there, not realizing that we were overperforming expectations. We were playing out of our mind. We need depth. So if we fight to get fourth or fifth, whatever, but especially at fourth, <clears throat> if we fight till the end, then Conte is able to say, hey, look, we freaking barely got it. You saw that we barely got across the finish line to get fourth. We needed a couple things to break our way. We needed a big result against Arsenal and North London Derby in the rescheduled game. We needed to, you know, it came down to match week 38. 
we did it. We clearly need help. So not flying to the finish line and cruising to fourth is a good thing when it comes to um, uh, the confidence I have in Spurs um, backing Conte, as it, as they say, or we're putting more investment in the squad to say, hey, look, we need this. If the front three, which when they're clicking are as good as anybody in the league, we need other options. We need some more attacking um, midfield, you know, whoever that that ends up being. But that gives me optimism too. If we if we fight and we make fourth, I feel a lot better about Levy opening up the purse strings. That's a that's a lot of good reasons. You just made me feel better. I have to admit. Let's go, Benny. Yep. I uh, I you know I agree well, that, well that's on one of, of us. <laughs> I'm more easily swayed. Some of those I think you're going you're reaching a little bit, but I'll start with the one that makes me feel the best. I guess is just uh, I guess the. The number one, actually, is just how inconsistent Arsenal is, too. So uh, the fact that neither, no teams that are fighting for top four can find consistency does make me feel at least less pessimistic. The fact, though, that, like you said, we definitely looked better against Brentford. Brightford was, I mean, sorry, Brighton, was almost in, impossible to even watch. I had a hard time paying attention to that game. Brentford, not like it was great, but it was. we looked, I think, sharper at least. Uh, or at least we, ha- we held on to possession better. Uh, it was still... You know, depressing not to see too many shots there. But um, but the main thing is uh, you also already mentioned is just having some control of our own destiny, not being completely reliant on other teams to have to lose for us to get it. That, that we, you know, there's not that many games left. If we got hot again, you know, roll it, roll the dice. Who knows what could happen? Um, and then, like we just said earlier, is also just the fact that we have the, the Arsenal game at the very end of the season, which could very, very easily turn into basically a playing game. The fact that we have that at home makes me more optimistic than if it was in reverse at the very least. Well, Jesse mentioned uh, controlling your own destiny. And I want to talk about that for a little bit, but before we do that, uh, we have to plug our podcast because it's amazing and you're listening to it. So this is the Quasar Us podcast for Americans who love Spurs talking Tottenham. We can be found on Twitter at Quasar Us podcast. And we can also be reached via email at Podcast at gmail.com. There's been a lot of conversation within Spurs Twitter and within Spurs fans in general, I would say, about this idea of controlling your own destiny. And we control our destiny and Arsenal controls their destiny. And there's a lot of this talk as if, you know, everything is on us now and, and we can do what we need to do. And that sounds good in theory. Um, I I think what makes Spurs fans nervous in situations like this is the fact that we oftentimes don't perform so well when we do control our own destiny. I mean, I was listening to um, the uh, Spurs podcast that The Athletic puts out, and and I think it was Charlie Eccleshare who was making the point that, you know, Spurs typically tend to perform better when they're chasing something. Um, when they're trying to get somewhere, um, when they're trying to catch up. And then once it's in sight and once we can actually put our hands on it is when we bottle it. And that's when we fall apart. And we actually just saw that happen a while ago. Like we, we were fighting from seventh place, got all the way up to fourth. And then as soon as we had fourth place, we fell apart. Um, And I guess I wonder like, is there benefit for us controlling our own destiny? Is it better off when we're chasing somebody else who controls it? I mean, I, I almost liked it better when Arsenal was in fourth and, and we had a chance to catch them. I, that was the one thing I forgot in my optimism section was 
all you people uh, that like Joel that wanted to be chasing, hey, look, we're back in fifth now. Yes, we still control the own destiny, but we're behind Arsenal now. So <laughs> if you weren't happy that we yeah, were be in careful fourth, what you asked for, Joel. Right. You got, you have to be I guess that's true. I guess that's now true. Now in pursuit mode once again. We got something to chase. All right, let's see what happens at the end when we do our predictions. Yeah, maybe it's just that we uh, we got hot just a tiny bit too early. If this, if that had happened just a little bit later in the season, it would have been perfect timing. But then uh, maybe maybe this is where we hit another streak and Arsenal lose a couple dumb games where they get out, you know, they outscore their expected goals and stuff. Because I, I think Jesse alluded to this earlier, but Arsenal, they got let their losing streak there was less lucky than ours, <laughs> than this two game streak we've been on. When they lost three games in a row, whatever that was, they didn't get outplayed. And I think they maybe got it matched once or outplayed once. And the others were, you know, I mean, obviously expected goals isn't everything. But by the looks of it, they got a bit unlucky in those games. And, you know, I mean, I will say I'm not much I'm not one for optimism. But but one thing I can say, if we want to look at things with the half glass full, is the fact that Arsenal did lose games that they probably should have won to give us a chance in the first place. Again, when they were in control of their own destiny, they they bottled it. Um, and then when we had, then they had two games against teams that you thought maybe they'll drop points. Those are the, of course, the games that they win when we were in control of our own destiny. Um, Ali gold also made the point this week that, uh, Spurs and Arsenal are both sitting on 11 losses, which is as many losses as, uh, Brighton who's in like 14th place. So this isn't uh, a top four race, uh, amongst two teams that are like absolutely crushing it. Um, it's probably going to be the first to, to 70 points wins. I will also say for Arsenal's sake, um, they have five games left. I, I would be shocked if they win five games, right? So they're probably going to drop points at some point. I would like to think that they at least drop points against us. Um, and that could be the, the turn that we need, but that also means we have to do a job on Sunday against Leicester. Um, Kim, you've been a bit quiet over there. How do you feel about this whole controlling your destiny? Is that something that you look forward to or or not? I mean, as a Spurs fan, I've been a fan since 2018. We haven't been much in position to control our own destiny. Like, I think when we got top four in 2018, 2019, it was another instance of someone needed to win as opposed to someone was trying not to lose kind of thing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like in the middle of how I feel about, I like I'm 50, 50 on, if I feel we'll get top four. Um, I think 538 now has it as Arsenal's like 66% likely to get top four and 34% not to, if Arsenal was to lose uh, and we were to win, that would flip probably. Um, that's the way, you know, we're so close to the end of the season, but I think Arsenal could slip up against West Ham I think they could slip up against Newcastle and then Everton might be fighting for their lives. And so I feel like there, there might be some opportunities for, the, for them to drop points. Um, I also think for us, there's also the same opportunity for us to drop points. I would hope that we, um, we beat everybody, but Liverpool, but I like, I could see Burnley being a tricky fixture as it always is. Um, and that's at home. So hopefully that gets us to play a little better, but, Burnley on May 15th 
three days after Arsenal. So depending on how that goes. If we Burnley win, fighting for their high. lives potentially too, right? Exactly. So I just feel like we have two – well, Norwich will probably be relegated by that point, I think. But Burnley for us and and then um, Everton for for um, Arsenal. So I, I think it – like, honestly, I, I'm not – I'm not optimistic and I'm not pessimistic really just in the middle because our performances lately have not given me any reason for optimism. Meanwhile, um, Arsenal's performances against two teams. Well, Chelsea, I, honestly, they both are both Man United is just, isn't that good. That's the team that I don't expect, um, you know, to, to give anybody a run for anything, but Chelsea Europa just, conference leave here, here we come. <laughs> That's exactly um, why they created this competition to get teams like <laughs> Man United in them. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Chelsea just honestly, their back line didn't show up against Arsenal. And that's that to me was what happened in that game. It wasn't to me that Arsenal was just like so, so great. Chelsea just literally shitted the bed <laughs> um, after being let down against um, uh, Real Madrid. So I, I felt like that you know, Arsenal just happened to catch them at the right time. And I think if, if Arsenal would have played against Chelsea, when, you know, that match was supposed to happen originally, maybe, maybe it was a different story, but you know, we'll see how the season ends. Um, like I said, I, I honestly think it could go either way. I'm just going to watch the games and hope for the best. I mean, I, I'm going to kick it to Jesse in a second, but one thing I'll say about Chelsea is, I mean, this is, this, this might make me sound a little bit like a hater, but they don't play a super convincing brand of football as at least not recently i mean even looking at the matches from uh, a few months back when you know they beat us like three times in two weeks um almost every goal they scored was on account of some mistake that spurs made it wasn't like they were playing us off the pitch um and chelsea has looked vulnerable i mean even this past weekend against a uh second rate West Ham team that seems to be resting all their starters for Europa League. I mean, they, they eked out a win in the what 89th minute or something like that. So um, I mean, who knows? They do have two games in hand over us in Arsenal. So they're probably still going to finish third regardless, um, but not as convincingly as, as I thought they would have. Feel free to clip this um, when it goes horribly wrong, but in match week 37, we're playing Burnley and they're fighting for their lives. Um, that's good because if they're just sitting back and being fine with a draw, I hope they need a win. So they have to come at us and we have to push back because, you know, I feel better when teams are trying to come at yeah. us and then we can catch them on the counter or something like that. I mean, like Villa was point. out here trying to play and they got, they played themselves. Um, and so again, this could absolutely go horribly wrong, but I like that Burnley, you know, will be, um, uh, will be fighting for something because then they'll have to, they'll have to try and, you know, try and play us. And I think, <clears throat> you know, the last two games obviously have not been what we wanted, but, you know, just looking at the, at the, the, the form chart of, of teams in the last um, five games, um, uh, you know, some have been, have been better, uh, you know, obviously than us, but um, looking at Spurs, we've taken 10 points in the last five games. That's two points in average. That's 76 points. Um, obviously I'm cherry picking now because the last two games only had one point, but you know, if you get 76 points, that is top four guaranteed pretty much every year as far as I can go back um, like pretty easily top four as well. So, you know, I think we've started to figure some things out here clearly. 
Um, and the last couple of games have been bad, but I feel overall, if we take a little bit of a step back, zoom out slightly and look at the last five, six, seven games, we're playing as, as well as we have, you know, pretty much at any point in the year. I like Jesse in your scenario. We would have to go back after we get embarrassed by Burnley and just cut that from the archive of this podcast that people are listening to in the future. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, as we've already discussed, it is hard not to think that Spurs run a little bit better when there's not as much pressure on them. We'll have to have a, a whole scenario, a whole discussion about um, uh, bottling it, the whole concept of that at some point in the future, uh, if certain teams are actually better at that certain players. But maybe never. instead of cutting out ketchup, Conte just needs to make sure that nobody has any lasagna for the next five weeks. <laughs> oh, God. That's still a sore subject for. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's too soon. It's too soon. Yeah, it's way too soon. I mean, um, I wasn't even around for that, and that that hurts me. So I wasn't even just... around for that. I, I that that happened a few seasons before I uh, started following them. So, but that's that was the one of the original um, conspiracies or whatever you want. I don't, is it a conspiracy? Is that thing proven? But that, that I remember hearing about pretty early on in a, in a uh, our of our bad luck and our bottling it, our history of doing that. Um, but Arsenal, their recent history, at least has been pretty similar. So I, I'm, I can't say that it was not, it's not like this is the invincibles or something. You know, I, I, I don't trust them any more than I trust that us. The only reason I give them a slight edge on it is because of the fact that they have two more points than us. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm with Kim. I think it's like a 50, 50 thing. Um, fingers crossed. It'll, it'll, it'll work out our way, but, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody's got the, the driver's seat for sure. Well, we're, we're going to get to our predictions for Leicester in a second. But before we get there, I did want to squeeze in uh, a little bit of conversation about the Conte rumors, which, to be clear, I don't know how much credit I even give them. I'm not sure that I think Conte going to PSG makes a ton of sense, considering the profile that he has and the, and the profile that they have. Uh, we know that. PSG is a club that only cares about winning the Champions League. That's the only thing that matters to them. They don't see the other teams within Ligue 1 as even competition to them. They won the league this past weekend, and the team still got booed. So I don't know if a manager that tends to kind of bin off tournaments is the manager that makes sense for them. But with that said, is there any value in these rumors and i guess even more importantly is it possible that some of these rumors swirling around the locker room are bad for morale or maybe even throwing some of the players off i mean is there any value in that rumor at all yeah fab said he's focused on spurs and if fab says it you might as well um put it in stone or get a tattoo on you so at least at the moment <laughs> nothing to uh nothing to be concerned I see about that tat Fab said it. That's a good one. You have to have that. Did, for the he, next did, episode. He, did he hear we go it? No, you can't <laughs> here we go. Business. Nothing's happening. So it's not here we go. Here we go. don't go. Here we don't yeah, go. Here we yeah. stay. Here we yeah, stay. Exactly. So I would just I would I would agree with that. Um there's so many of these stories in it's funny actually how much drama there is in in uh European sports. I feel like you don't hear as many trade rumors and stuff like that over here, especially not with coaches carousel. Like you hear some, but it's not as it's not as drama laden as it is over there i would say this though is that i don't view conte as a long-term uh prospect at spurs he hasn't been a long-term prospect anywhere and if we're gonna spend 
to keep him here for a year, two, three plus years, we're going to have to spend a lot of money every summer on like players that have already made it. You're not going to buy the same kind of players that we were buying when we, when we had poach, if we're going to keep them happy. Um, so, and, and one last thing I would say, and this is obviously because it's speculation at this point, but if Conte was actually of the mentality that he wanted to go to PSG this summer, just so he could have tons and tons of money and be able to win the league at a run, Sure, I guess if that's his mentality, then I guess I'd rather have Poach. But I hope that's not true because it seemed like he wants a, a, a challenge. And PSG's got to be the least challenging thing, unless you were to win the, the, the you know the the um, Champions League. There is no challenge in winning the league there. So I don't know. It's just a, it was just a weird rumor, and and it and it it's it strikes as untrue because of how everything wraps up that way, where it ends up just being a coach swap. Yeah, to me, if we manage to have one then you probably wouldn't have heard anything. And it just feels as if the French media was like, oh, Spurs lost two games in a row. Let's talk about something. Um, And I don't know. The French media is, to me, has been known on Twitter. Like every time I see something from French media, that seems a little unbelievable. I just don't believe it because I've seen so much of it. Um, And so to me, I just, when I heard it, I didn't think of it as a big deal. I didn't even look into it enough to think of it as a big deal. Um, I, I just think, you know, like I said, until, until I see Poch leaves, um, PSG and until I see, um, he was fired from PSG, then speculation is just speculation. And if Conte says he's focused on Spurs and he's focused on Spurs and we'll just have to see how the year ends, whether we get top four, if he stays, whatever. Um, I'm not about to stress myself of if Conte stays at Spurs because if he decides to leave, he decides to leave. That'll be his choice. Um, I don't think we're in a bad spot that we couldn't end up getting another decent manager. It might be GP's time at Spurs if if Conte leaves after all. GP as in Grand Potter. Um, of course, the, on, the only <laughs> GP. Joel's tattoo. The only GP that we recognize. My man, Graham. I'm sorry, Joe. It's mean, your it's your tattoo. A little GP in a heart. Oh yeah, of course. Um, to, to to GP is to do. And listen, the only thing I'll say about Conte, I don't think he's going to PSG. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I will say, there is a serious concern for me that he'll leave if we don't finish top four. Um, and I will also say there's a serious concern for me that if he does leave. I have no idea where we turn. We saw how the last uh, coach search went uh, poorly, to say the least. Um, took us like 60 days to find somebody after interviewing 1,300 different guys. And I also just feel like the profile of the club and the, the, the type of players that we can get this summer is all dependent on us playing European football. To be frank... We go to Champions League. Uh, I don't think we'll be able to do much when we get there anyway. But again, that's going to depend a lot on who we're able to bring in this summer because we know that the team is already thin. We know that guys like Lo Celso and, 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 and Dombele are probably not coming back. And so, I, you know, I was, I was mentioning this to, to some of the guys at the, at, the, at the bar this weekend, but when I look at, Arsenal and Spurs and United at the time, but I think they're out of the race now. Um, of our three clubs, I think Spurs have the most to lose by not making top four. 
Um, United is going to start a rebuild. They already got Ten Hag, and they're starting from scratch. We know where they're going. Arsenal's ahead of schedule because they've been rebuilding as well, and their entire team is already young. Um, I don't think we have as clear a path forward if we finish fifth and we are trying to figure out what to do next. Kane is going to start getting antsy again. Um, there's going to be those rumors are going to come back. It's going to be a new distraction. As I said earlier, I'm worried about what profile of player we're going to be able to get if we're not playing in Champions League. And also what kind of coach we'll have uh, when the new season starts. If Conte says, you know what, screw this. Uh, this team isn't good enough and I'm out of here. Um, I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen, but I would rather us finish fourth and not have to worry about it. So that's my two cents. Um, with that said, Leicester on Sunday, early, early game, 9 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, what are our predictions? And I believe this match will be at home. I, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to get hopefully optimistic about this, but I'm still going still gonna to pull for a win. So I'm going to go with 2-1 Spurs. I also noticed how over the over the weeks all the the score totals are going lower. Like, first we were scoring four goals, and then next hey, week, so you know. the results. I mean, our <laughs> scores have stayed higher than the results. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. All right, two one. Jesse, what's it going to be? I'm trying to look up stats real quick to back up my uh, my vision. Um, yeah, but I mean, just a handful of recent ones: three two, four two, two zero, three zero, two one. I mean, two has been the, the fewest amount of goals. It's often often kind of crazy. Um, and these are what? These are these are Spurs Leicester scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looking at the kind of total goals, Spurs have won three of four and five of seven, five, <clears throat> six of seven, something like that, or six of eight. Um, but yeah, I think there'll be some goals. So, um, but that we did get a little bit over optimistic, and I, I know that's my thing. So. You know, torn between do I try to correct myself or just, you know, shoot or shoot. So I'm going to say uh, 3-1 Spurs. Woo-hoo-hoo, 3-1. All right. Well, no clean sheet, but at least we're winning twice. Uh, Kim, keep the streak going. Um, so looking at Leicester, they have you know, in like the last three months have not allowed in three goals. The last time they allowed three goals in was against Tottenham Hotspur on January 19th. Wings are due, Kim. Oh, but, due. oh but they had not, they had Forrest beat them, a, a, you know, a couple weeks later, 4-1. But for the most part, so I am actually going to go 3-1 as well, Jesse, because I think, we probably do let one in probably from a free kick or some set piece, but I think we have, we can have Lester's number. I don't think they're as strong in midfield um, as at least um, Brighton was. And, um, and Brentford had Christian Erickson who he actually did look really good against us um, moving the ball, finding himself in positions to, to put crosses in. And I think that's why Brentford, you know, played as well as they did um so yeah i i'd say three one i'm hoping for some goals obviously yeah um this is a tricky one uh lester at home i i do think we'll win this game um i also think with us no longer being in the driver's seat i mean especially with arsenal playing west ham they've got 
European football on Thursday, uh, and then they're playing Arsenal three days after that. So I kind of expect them to roll over. Um, and I think Arsenal's probably going to win that game. And so I think that will probably put a little more pressure on us um, with us being behind. Maybe that wakes us up a little bit and we see a better performance than we did see the last two weeks. Um, I also think just from a straight odds perspective, like I can't imagine us going a third game or famous last words, right? I can't imagine us going a third game in a row and not scoring a goal. So I, I do think something's going to go in. I also don't trust Lester's defense all that much. Um, huh, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm going to go two one. I'm going to go two one. I think there'll be some nervy moments. Um, and you know, we score a winner sometime in the 70th minute or something like that. Um, and then, you know, we'll see like the Davinson Sanchez sub to, to shore up the defense and make sure, uh, we, we keep the lead. So that's what I'm going. He's going to, he's not going to bring Davinson in when it's still tied one, one, try to get a win with Davinson for some reason. Uh, I I know he's going to play everybody except for Bergman. So (laughs) Davinson had the latest winner in Premier League history, did he not? Is that not a record that happened earlier this year on New Year's Day, no less? I was in Chicago. <laughs> then why would you make this. him your first sub? Make him your last one. All right. That good was the Davinson winner uh, more recent than Kane over City? No, it was the latest. Like the latest oh, in the latest game. It was in like 94 20. It was the latest winning goal in Premier League history. Um, I would really prefer us not to go back to that. I'd like the game to be over somewhere <laughs> around the 75th minute preferably um also the last time we played Leicester was that amazing stevie b game so who knows maybe actually play him again this time i don't know i don't know if conte if you're, if you're out there if you're listening to uh coys r us uh maybe play stevie on sunday crazy idea i know sometimes he scores goals wait, wait, so wait, we kind of need him right wing back or you put him in instead of uh decky or where does he play i don't think he should start um, sub. I, All right. First I, sub, I, I agree with 100%. Yeah, like, no, I've still I, been wanting I think if, if we're able to get two or three goals by the 60th minute, then you don't need to bring him on because, you know, at that point you need to just um, play smart and keep your lead. But if it's 1-1 and you're looking at the clock and it's at 65 and you know you need all three points, then, like, there isn't a better player on our bench to get a goal. That It just – it. I just don't understand. But anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll make one point before I get out of here. Um, Leicester also do have a Europa League game on Thursday. So yep. um, I do think that is something that does lean in our favor because one thing I will say about our team is we're fit and Leicester starts. Europa um, Conference League, to be clear. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're right. Europa Conference League. They play Roma. <laughs> Jose oh, our, our, our old Roma. friend Jose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so depending on how that match goes, um, they may actually be exhausted by on Sunday. So if, if, if we play an exhausted team, we definitely win. And I think we probably can run up the score against an exhausted team. I think we at least have, if we have anything, it's fitness personally, that's what I think. So, you know, we'll see. I'm a little more optimistic now than I was when I came into this podcast. So good job, Jesse. Look at that. Jesse, you did you did good. Uh, the the sunshine and Cambos did wonders. Uh, we're looking for a win. We're hoping for it, and we've all predicted it. So don't make us look bad. Come on, you Spurs. 